the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager, going immediately to my guest with regard to the Texas and 18 other states lawsuit that is being filed before the Supreme Court. A member of the legal team that is bringing this suit is Professor John Eastman, who is a longtime guest on this Dennis Prager Show. He's a professor of law at Chapman University. John Eastman, where are you right now? Well, I'm in I'm in the mountain time zone, Dennis. Uh, I am currently uh, a visiting uh, scholar at the University of Colorado Boulder. Really? That's sort of a fish out of water. Yeah. Well, they've got a lovely position there. It's uh, the conservative, uh, the visiting scholar in conservative thought and policy at the Benson Center for the Study of Western Civilization at the University of Colorado Boulder, a mouthful. But it's a very important um, uh, commitment on the part of the university to have the ideological diversity at least somewhat on campus. <clears throat> it's good I'm sitting. That's that's my reaction. Well, if anybody should have it, you should. All right. I think most Americans are not uh, either aware or clear on what the lawsuit is about. So please explain. So uh, the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction uh, over suits between two states. Uh, we did this at the time of the founding to you know pr- re- reduce. Uh, grounds of conflict between the states that would make it hard to govern a nation uh, that as large as they anticipated this one might become. Um, and so Texas filed a suit against four states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, claiming that their violations of their own state election laws produced uh, an, un- uh, an illegal certification of electors that are affecting or diluting Texas electoral votes in the choice of president. Um, and then I'm representing the president himself, who moved yesterday to intervene in that litigation. And, of course, his injury is even more direct than the, than the injury of Texas has claimed. But Texas had the, had the grounds for original jurisdiction. So I, I think it's a very powerful suit. Let me understand. The, the supposition here is that one state claims that another has violated its own laws. Do I have that correct? Yes, but okay. what's, what's significant, what's significant yeah. about it is when you're dealing with elections for presidential electors, um, a state violating its own laws violates the federal constitution. The federal constitution in Article 2 gives plenary power to the state legislatures to decide the manner of choosing electors. And when executive officials in those states on their own have altered those state statutes, then they are taking upon themselves a constitutional authority that they don't have, which is to choose the manner of selecting electors. So theoretically, couldn't this lawsuit have been brought before the election? 
Well, it wasn't clear uh, that they were going to violate state law or the extent that they were going to violate state law before the election. So it, it likely would have gotten dismissed as not yet right. Did each of the states allegedly violate its own laws in the same way? No, different ways. So, for example, in Georgia, uh, state officials there um, altered uh, the signature verification process on absentee ballots. Um, In Wisconsin, uh, state officials there um, just unilaterally decided to let everybody in the state claim that they were uh, indefinitely confined uh, which allowed them to cast absentee ballots without proving pro- proving their identification. The state. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Well, I don't know what in, in, indefinitely what indefinitely confined. Well, I don't know what so, that means. So, well, so so if you're if you're hospitalized, if you're in a nursing home um, and are indefinitely confined, uh-huh. you're allowed to cast an absentee ballot without proving identification. And, and the state statutes allow that in only very in certain narrow circumstances. But but uh, the state official said anybody who has a fear of COVID can claim indefinitely confined and therefore avoid avoid our voter identification requirement. That's preposterous, and it and it created the potential for massive fraud. Do, do you believe that that created massive fraud or, or just the potential? I, uh, I do. The statistical analyses that have been done are, are just irrefutable, uh, that, that in several counties in, in uh, Wisconsin, in four or five counties in Michigan, in half a dozen counties in Pennsylvania, and in Fulton County in Georgia, the, 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 the statistical anomalies are so profound as to be impossible to explain on grounds other than fraud. I, I know this is not your, so to speak, jurisdiction, but just knowledgeable observer to me do you believe that these change the results i do i do and what we've done is carefully carefully limit the uh the suit to the states where the the hard evidence of violations and the ability to connect that to a certain number of ballots that are greater than the current margins in those states uh and therefore affects the outcome of the of the of the uh of the election so what is the status now? The Supreme Court has has agreed to take the case? No, no. Uh, I think they have to. Justices, Several justices on the court have written that when you have a state-on-state suit, it's mandatory jurisdiction. Um, but but um, uh, the, the other members of the court think they still have discretion. So Texas has a motion for leave to file the complaint, and we have a motion for permission to intervene. Um, and I expect we'll know fairly soon in both of those instances whether the court's going to agree to accept the case. Who, I'm sorry, who has permission to intervene? Uh, I, I filed on behalf of President Trump yesterday. Oh, that's who the we is. I, I see. Yeah. What, what does the president's involvement do uh, if it's state versus state? What is the relevance <laughs> of the president? Well, state versus state, of course, gives you the ground for jurisdiction. Texas's argument about the injury is that if unlawful votes for electors are... are no, no, uh, forgive me, John. I, I, I followed that. I'm, I'm asking about yeah. what what relevance is the president joining the suit if it's a state versus state issue? The president is well, not a, a state. state. It's, it's a state versus state issue about the illegality of the conduct of the election. Obviously, the president as a candidate has an even more direct interest 
in ensuring that electors are properly certified in accord with state law, state law that is issued pursuant to constitutional authority. So it's it's not actually about the cheating. It's about making violating their own state laws to enable voting. Violating their own state laws to enable voting, and those laws are designed to protect against the risks of fraud. Uh, and, and for the state officials to just ignore those state laws creates a huge problem for the conduct of this election. Do, do you have to show that it matters? In other words, that it had an effect on, on the election results? Well, practically, the relief that we're seeking is for the court to say, look, these were done in violation of state law, and then to remand to the state to try and determine the scope and extent and take their own remedy. And at that point, the state legislature has constitutional and federal statutory authority to deal with the problem. Uh, so that's what we're asking. We're not asking the court to decide the election. We're asking the court simply to look at were there significant violations of state law that may well have affected this election. Oh. And if there are, we can't we can't tolerate that. I mean, we got it right. Gotta so fine. Let, let, let's say that's found to be the case. Wait, so so let me back up. Does the Supreme Court then have to decide? In fact, you your state violated your own laws in selecting electors. Is that what you're asking? That's what that's what we're asking. Because even though it's the, their state laws, their state laws in a federal election implemented under the authority of the federal constitution in article two and that's what makes it a very significant federal constitutional matter okay so let's say the supreme court says yes that's in fact what happened then it goes to the state legislature to do what well so for example let's let's say um in wisconsin uh the 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 failure of the states to do voter identification before those ballots were cast um we should now have the ability to review those absentee ballot envelopes and find out were those legal voters or not. And if they weren't, not count them. Uh, and, and, uh, and you could then prorate, you know, based on the valid absentee ballots that were, were received, how many that affected each of the candidates. And if at the end of the day, the current margin is altered so that the results of the outcome are different, the state legislature should weigh in. So we, we, we improperly certified the wrong slate of electors. All right, we'll be back in a moment. If you can stay with me for a few moments, obviously, my listeners and I would appreciate it. Professor John Eastman spending a semester at the University of Colorado Boulder. He's a professor of law at Chapman University on the legal team with the Texas Challenge. 1-8 Prager 776. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. 
I'm really happy. It, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. I would like to remind you of a uh, magnificent charity that you should give to this Christmas season. Angel Tree has, it's part of Prison Ministries, it has a a banner up at my website, and it's the Christmas appeal that I make each year, either Salvation Army or here, and this is here this year. They uh, send a, a gift and a note from a parent in prison to a child of the parent in prison, along with a Bible. If that doesn't appeal to you, don't contribute. But if it does appeal to you, and I suspect it does to the vast majority, uh, giving something at this time is a very beautiful thing to do. The banner for Angel Tree is up at DennisPrager.com. All right. John Eastman is a professor of law at Chapman University. This year he is at the University of Colorado Boulder. I'm sorry it worked out that the year you were given this uh, honor at the University of Colorado there are no. In, I assume there are no in-person classes. Well, we had we had in-person classes, uh, both my wife and I, for about uh, two-thirds of the semester, and then the remainder were were remote. So that helps. Although people had masks on and were spaced, so it makes it hard to hard to conduct seminars. But uh, uh, and we're hoping uh, we're hoping in the spring for uh, uh, a greater return to normalcy, particularly now that vaccines are becoming available. Just all right. Anyway, I won't get into that because I don't want to. I don't want to take time from you. So John Eastman is a, is a professor of law, and he is part of the lawsuit that is in front of the Supreme Court of the U.S. So for the justices to determine anything, they have to steep themselves in Wisconsin law, Georgia law, uh, what Pennsylvania law, and what was the fifth state? Michigan, fourth state? Michigan. Yeah. Is well, that, you know, uh, except those laws are, are pursuant to federal constitutional authority. So it's well within their normal bailiwick. Look, they had to steep themselves in Florida law when they looked at Bush versus Gore. Uh, they had to they had to determine that the state Supreme Court was violating the rules for the manner of choosing electors that had been set out by the state legislature. So it's exactly the same issue here. And the, there's really no dispute that the laws were altered. Uh, the, the, the dispute is, how, you know, about how big an effect that. Has. Yeah, that, that doesn't. That's that goes my... to the proof of. Uh, yeah, that goes to the proof of the harm, not to the not to the the fact that the election was conducted in violation. Right. I, of the I, law. I, yeah. When you described the the number of people in uh, what was it, Wisconsin getting uh, getting absentee ballots on the grounds that they were like hospitalized. Like hospitalized people don't have to have an ID to get an absentee ballot. Is how many people could that realistically have affected? You know, I, I forget what we what we allege and what Texas alleges in the complaint. I can look it up, but I think it was hundreds of thousands. Oh well, that, that's a big number. Yes. <clears throat> so and, they. Know, I mean, the state, the state, the state has done what it's supposed to do. You know, ever since the, the, the Carter-Baker Commission, back after the 2000 election, we've known that there's a huge risk of fraud with absentee ballots because there's no chain of custody, there's no identification verification, or it's significantly weakened. 
Um, and so the state legislatures uh, put in place measures to try and protect against those kind of frauds. Uh, and those measures were just ignored um, uh, under the excuse of COVID. But 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 how does how does COVID affect whether you have to show your ID or not, or put a picture of your ID in the ballot when you're returning it in order to verify that the person voting is actually the person that's legally entitled to vote? I didn't know that. Uh, that's what's done in every state on an absentee ballot. Every state is different, of course. Uh, uh, some states, like Georgia, you have—I uh, think it's Georgia—you have to have. Um, the, the person applying for the ballot has to sign and put their address, uh, and then the ballot itself has to be signed with their address, but also signed with an address by a witness to verify that the person submitting the ballot is the person actually claimed. Um, and and if, if the witness doesn't sign or doesn't put their address, we had in, in Pennsylvania orders, for example, for, the, for the, the election clerks to just fill in the addresses on their own. Uh, and they and they acknowledge they did it. They did it with a different color pen to show that they they had done that. That was illegal. Uh, and all of a sudden, ballots that are not not legally cast are being counted in large enough numbers to have affected the outcome of the election. Let me take a challenge to you. I, you're used to that, so I have no uh, problem. Bob in Springfield, Illinois. John Eastman and Dennis Prager. Hi. I thank you very much for taking my call. I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate the chance to speak to Mr. Eastman. Um, if I were to say someone robbed your house and you said, but there's nothing missing from my house, and I said, but I can prove in court that you left your door unlocked, would that prove your house had been robbed? No. No. What is the analogy? Yeah, but the reason but, but, I make the analogy is because – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I have two gentlemen on the line, ladies and gentlemen. It's a real problem. (laughs) I salute you both. Go go ahead, uh, uh, Bob in Illinois. Go ahead. The reason I make the analogy is because it sounds to me like you begin with not being able to demonstrate any fraud, and you can't demonstrate that any of the ballots that were mailed in were fraudulent. So instead you look for a procedural reason to object to the way the state's allowed those ballots to be cast as a way of saying, well, they allowed for the possibility that something could have gone wrong. That means something went wrong and there was massive fraud. It seems illogical to me. Okay, so, so let, 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 let me give the most two clear-cut examples of, of proof of fraud that, that counteracts that. We know in Pennsylvania, for example, um, because they were doing a sloppy job in violation of state law, we got more numbers of ballots that were counted than there were absentee ballots Submitted based on the number of envelopes. So, so we've got that. That's evidence of fraud right there. And the reason it was able to happen is because they were violating state laws on the outside certification envelope on these ballots. Um, uh, you know, so, so yeah. Look, I mean, I mean, the, the reason those statutes are there is to prevent the very kind of thing that I just described from happening. Um, and, and it happened. The state laws were clearly violated. And at least in some significant measure, we know that had an effect on the on, on ballots being illegally put into the hopper and counted. Bob? Okay, well, I have two questions for you based on that. The first one is, does anyone in the state government of Pennsylvania agree with that assessment? And number two, are those ballots that you say were um, invalid en- enough to change the outcome of the election? 
All right. Yes, get, yes, well, yes, right yes, let yes, me yes. get let me get a response when we come back, if that's okay with you, uh, Jonathan. Again, if I have to run. I'm oh, sorry. you do. All right. So we'll answer him in two seconds. So yes, and yes, there are significant numbers of the state legislature. In fact, they are they have, uh, uh, I think are going to be intervening in this case or, right. or seeking to at least file an amicus. All right, John Eastman. I, yes, I, numbers are large enough. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dennis. There is a war on civilization from the left because it's a force for chaos. I'm Dennis Prager. Let me give you an example in Los Angeles. They have elected the people of Los Angeles in their uh, infinite stupidity because they will be hurt by it. Have elected. This is it's 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 not even traditional leftism. It's just pure chaos that this uh, man stands for, George Gascon. He was the DA in San Francisco, so now he's going to ruin two cities in. California. Heather McDonald, writing in the New York Post, Los Angeles's newly elected attorney, district attorney, George Gascon, has a plan for ensuring compliance with the county's draconian stay-at-home orders. Make the city so dangerous that Angelinos will be terrified to step outside. So here is the example. Gascon's office will no longer prosecute a wide range of misdemeanor offenses. Number one, trespass. Los Angeles streets in all but its wealthiest neighborhoods are already overrun by squalid encampments. Business owners who have managed so far to survive the lockdown regularly have to sweep vagrants off their property in the morning along with feces and drug paraphernalia. The vagrant won't leave. Don't bother calling the police. Any arrest an officer makes will simply be dismissed. If a homeowner sees a vagrant climbing the fence to his house, he will have to deal with it himself. Driving without a license or driving with a suspended license, the risk of being, so I guess this will be another example, that will be two. The first one is, can you imagine that? Dropping the laws of trespass? I, 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 I'm speechless, which is rare for a talk show host. Driving without a license or driving with a suspended license, the risk of being hit and possibly killed by a drunk driver or by someone who just can't operate a car just went up in a sop to the illegal immigrant lobby. So you won't be prosecuted if you drive without a license? So why get a license to begin with? Let alone uh, having a, a suspended license. If you have a suspended license, there's a reason for that. But L.A., this is, this is considered progressive thought. Whenever I show you how despicable the left is, people, uh, people on the left will go, oh, no, that's not how I think. He just takes extreme examples. This guy's the district attorney of Los Angeles. Is that an extreme example? Liberals are naive. The left is evil. The naivete of liberals is what is causing the decay of the society. Because there are a large number of liberals. 
and they they don't have the courage to vote Republican. They've been brainwashed into believing conservatives are their enemy, not the left. Disturbing the peace. Los Angeles has seen a spate of shootings at rowdy, illegal house parties. Too bad if such a party breaks out on your block. Just hope that no one feels dissed and pulls a gun. Interesting. So you have a 3 a.m. extremely loud party next door in the apartment next door and you can't call the police. People know what they voted for? Not done. Public intoxication. The sister of an assassinated Chicago cop warned in the Chicago Sun-Times this summer that illegal drug and alcohol use on residential streets easily escalates into fatal shootings because the perpetrators think no one cares. See, they want to destroy civilization. The, the, the reason for prosecuting public intoxication was in order to, to keep civilization intact. The left only knows how to destroy. It, has, it builds nothing. Every day I give you an example. Every single day. But people are not fighters, even people who hear me. Many people are, but most people, all right, he's exaggerating a little. He doesn't, you know, but but my brother-in-law is on the left. He, he's not like that. A reminder, everybody, that I will be taking many of you to Israel next October. You can sign up, and you have till May, so it's half a year. You can cancel with no uh, or change your change plans. You're afraid of contracting COVID. Whatever prompts you, I would go tomorrow. Frankly, maskless, and enjoy life, which I have been doing in any event for the last seven months, eight months, nine months. Wow. Los Angeles has a man that the Communist Party of Russia would not have enacted the laws. So this there's there's an, a new type of left in America, and it's specific almost to America, that is avowedly advocative of chaos. It it has it is only destructive. The Communist Party of, of the Soviet Union would never have allowed any of these laws. You couldn't be publicly intoxicated as much as there was drinking in the Soviet Union. You could disturb the peace unless you were a Communist Party member disturbing people's peace with a Communist rally. You couldn't trespass. But now you can all of these things, and now you can, you can drive without a license or a suspended license. You won't be prosecuted. there's a race in this country between the left's destruction of the country and the normal American liberal and conservative realization of how destructive the left is. Which will come first, the destruction of the country 
or the awareness that the left is destroying the country and the West? I don't know the answer. I know what I'm contributing to. But if you're a liberal who does not find the left an enemy, like Alan Dershowitz does, then you have decided to willfully ignore evil. What I'm reading to you is evil. This is what is happening in L.A., another reason to leave both L.A. and California. So public intoxication will not be disturbed. Open season on cops will only get worse in L.A. with this declaration that officers' authority may be resisted with impunity. In other words, resisting arrest is no longer prosecuted, which will increase the number of shootings of civilians. If people resist arrest, well, the cops either let them go or subdue them. And sometimes it will end up in a fight and maybe even a firefight. It's an astonishing thing. She writes, Heather McDonald, a declaration that strikes at the heart of civilization itself. The left loathes civilization. I don't know why. I don't know what sickness of the soul prompts a person like Gascon. I don't know. Or Soros. These are sick souls. That's what I can't. They're pathological creatures that somehow get power. And, and, And the people who they destroy vote for them or support them. Tell me where I'm wrong. Trespassing, resisting arrest, public intoxication, trespass, no more prosecution, no more. More. The vast majority of police shootings could be eliminated tomorrow if all suspects complied with the officer's commands. Resisting arrest is the biggest predictor of officer use of force. Decriminalizing such resistance is a recipe for more police shootings of blacks as well as of white suspects. Los Angeles's new DA is also eliminating cash bail for most crimes. So you just walk out, you're arrested. Why will why will the police arrest anybody? Just walk out. And it's ending sentence enhancements for repeat offenders and gang members. After California Governor Gavin Newsom eliminated cash bail earlier this year for COVID purposes. Carjackings, shootings, and homicides spiked. The state abandoned its no-bail policy, and Los Angeles County voted. Listen to this. This is what is so amazing about the left. Los Angeles County voted in November, that's just last month, to continue requiring bail. Gascon has other ideas. As for repeat offenders and gangbangers, they now have little incentive to go clean. So we in Los Angeles voted against the uh, the no the no cash bail and the no bail policies. And uh, he he just reinstated them. The Los Angeles Council, City Council recently cut $150 million from the LAPD budget. 
despite the largest spike in homicides in the city in 10 years and a 32% increase in shooting. Getting rid of police is to increase death, violence, and mayhem, period. You vote Democrat, that's what you get. What exactly do you get bad that if you vote Republican? Tell me something comparably bad that you get if you vote Republican. I just gave you five examples. Give me two. By the way, if you don't have a driver's license, obviously you don't have to have car insurance either. Licensed drivers better make sure they have an uninsured motorist coverage in their policy. It's time to leave California. The left has destroyed a spectacular place. Take your calls. The Dennis Prager Show. Wilmington, California. Justin. Hello, Justin. Dennis Prager. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Hey, I'm a frustrated fan. i got to tell you, I've been there from the beginning. Religion on the line. Also, I was taping every TV shows. I came to those. Carl Sagan, the whole thing. I've been there. But I'm very frustrated. And I wanted to um, present a challenge to you because I know you're up for a challenge. And I know you don't back away. But um, I'm just tired of hearing the left destroys this. The left believes this. The left thinks this. Could you possibly consider having somebody from the left on and debate them on the air? I know you do that otherwise, but could you do that on the air for the rest of us? Because have you not you not heard me almost? Uh, I would say certainly every week, maybe twice a week. I will read about some left-wing author wrote a piece and then say I publicly invite them to a debate that I've offered any New York Times columnist ten to $20,000 to their favorite charity or just to them if they would publicly debate me. They don't debate. I you don't understand. Heard. All right, so now you know. Now you're hearing it. What you're, uh, what you're well, hearing I- is now being publicly announced across the country. They're afraid right, to I'm, debate I'm, any articulate conservative because they lose. They have nothing to stand on. They're empty. It's all passion. They don't debate. Well, Do you understand that? I, I have a hard. I find it hard to believe. I know you do because you're naive. You're a sweet, naive liberal. No, I'm not, Dennis. Yes, you are. You you find it hard to believe. That Tom Friedman at the New York Times never debates a conservative? You find it hard to believe? I Why do you find it hard to believe? You cannot find one person. That's right. Name them. Name them. Name a prominent. It's got to be prominent. Know. It can't be a guy who just writes me an email. An equally prominent leftist to my prominence, I will pay money, and I will receive no money. I want no money. I will give them money to debate me. They don't debate do you understand that? You don't because you're naive. Naive doesn't mean evil or bad. It means you have decided not to understand bad. This is what I have argued my whole life. The, the term that evil is dark is foolish. Evil is so bright people cannot stare at it. You don't want to acknowledge that the left is destroying our civilization. Just as you won't acknowledge, what? A liberal, a leftist won't debate you? That's correct. They don't. They smear. They don't debate. They don't even debate in print. I'm never debated. I'm smeared. 
every other. Larry Elder is smeared. He's never debated. Ten black leftists couldn't take Larry Elder on or Candace Owens. But hey, where? come on, I can't believe it, Dennis. I can't believe it. You don't want to believe it. They don't debate. They smear. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor pain-free studio. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Alan's story. I've been in back pain since my early 20s. Now I'm 51. In my early 20s, I worked for the state prison. I got injured and I was off work for about a year. I'm now a train engineer. I basically sit all day long. My wife making me take relief factor literally changed my life. I don't feel like I'm 20 again, but my back does. Everyone knows you want something drug-free. You want something that will help your own body deal with the inflammation that can often cause pain. In your neck, back, shoulder, hip, knee, or foot. Actually, even general aches and pains from just getting older, exercise, everyday living, all can be a real problem, even keeping you from sleeping through the night. So here's what I suggest you do. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners of Relief Factor, have created what they call a three-week quick start. It's a trial pack, and they've discounted it to just $19.95. That's about a dollar a day, and after that, about the cost of a cup of coffee a day to stay out of pain. That's the three-week quick start for just $19.95, and you should know this. About 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start for just $19.95 go on to order more. So do what so many others have already done. Take Pete and Seth Talbot up on their offer and go to relieffactor.com and order the three week quick start that's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384 800-500-8384 